the Wheel of Fortune episode where it was people that <laughs> annoy you and they had this subgroup of people of the dad went completely off and picked the wrong word yeah, and was just labeled a racist for the rest of his life. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I know exactly the episode you're talking about because the right word was naggers we all got an opinion but can you back us up where you get your sources from hope that don't got you stuck we won't check you and your understanding of knowledge that's regardless if you finished school or went to college not everything is as black and white as it seems this show here is about expressing what you mean whether you get canceled or whether you get played welcome to the canceled podcast with elliot and jay So we'll just pick up where we left off, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Can you kind of like uh, give me a warm hand up? What did you last year? Uh, the last thing I heard was um, it had an uproar. <laughs> I think after that, it just dropped like a meteor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. When it came out, uh, I forgot exactly what year, but I was, like I said, I was 10, fifth grade. Um, I I was wearing uh, a dead Kenny shirt. He was like lying on the side. Rats were eating his eyes out, <laughs> and teachers were giving me crap for it. But I was just like, I don't care. I, like this, I could. I just knew um, from the show itself and from uh, just the reaction of other people that this show was upping the ante of The Simpsons. And I was already primed for it because I was such a big fan of The Simpsons as a kid. Um, you know, even though I didn't understand the social and political commentary, I knew they were making digs at what was going on in the world around me. Um, and I guess you could say it like South Park was like the baton pass to like really like like make no side safe for for the for the funny stuff that goes on in in politics and things that we point out in human behavior. So, um, and I, I, it it. I was never like a diehard fan where I would watch every episode, but every time I would catch it or a friend would talk to me about it, um, it was always hilarious. Uh, I, I already got, a, I, I collected a few episodes in mind that we can bring up later, but looking back on these episodes and, and thinking of, not about the episode itself, but what the, what it represent in that time frame, um, especially the movie. Oh man, the movie was great. Um, personally, it, it it helped me, me and my dad connect better because he loved the political commentary, um, and I just loved the the fart and and all the dirty <laughs> jokes that they would have all the time. Both age groups, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, so, it, was, um, it wasn't until this year I actually realized um, the name of the movie is actually a penis joke. Did you know yeah. that? Yeah. I just and found that out recently. I was sitting there thinking of it. Yeah, I was sitting there thinking about it, and I was like, bigger, longer, and uncut. And I was like, there's no way. And then, <laughs> yeah, Google confirmed yeah. it all for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so what about you, Michael? What yeah, you, with me. I'm, I'm Michael. Um, <laughs> I can kind of tell my early thoughts on it. Of, I didn't grow up. I grew up watching it, but it wasn't like I seeked it out. It was while I was in school. 
my friends and people would make references and I'm like, what is this? And it was just kind of felt like, like a dirty secret where like, I felt like I had to, like my bedtime was at nine and I had to stay up to watch like the South Park episode and to kind of get these references and just having just a cartoon that wasn't, that was different from others back in the day and having a younger version of me as like a child version of me comprehending of what does that mean other than the fart jokes and the funny Kenny getting killed. But it's interesting. I love just the sociology aspect. That's my background and early childhood development of like how has culture evolved? How has it changed? Um, how has South Park pushed the envelope and how has current generations be desensitized to it too, where it's not offensive anymore because we're so used to it that we look at current cartoons for kids and how had that changed from the 90s to now? And it's interesting where I currently work at a behavioral home, but also as a kindergarten teacher, it's interesting to see how generations have changed of how we consume media, but also the type of media of what is being talked about, what is being shown to our children and how South Park kind of changed a lot of that and how that humor is kind of formed to a lot of popular shows where it was meant for adults and now like kids have grasped it and now we have shows like Bojack Horseman or Rick and Morty or Family Guy where um, all levels of people are watching and they still have the commentary, but it definitely has a target audience. Yeah. Some, some would actually say like South Park was kind of like the birth of like adult animation, especially like within mm -hmm. the States too, that you brought up those examples. Because when you look at Rick and Morty, it has such a cult following now. And it, it kind of covers the same kind of aspects of um, South Park does, but in a less uh, satirical way. Like they have their moments, but South Park really does put our flaws like right back into our face, like almost immediately now. So, uh, so I do like that. And uh, Elliot, what about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, similar, somewhat similar stories, but I, actually uh, when I was a kid, it was like too intense for me. So when it was coming out when I was like 10, I was like, that's for bad kids. Like they're saying curse words and stuff. So I didn't watch it for years, but it was still like a cultural phenomenon. And uh, like, I would even say a quote, like, I'm not fat, I'm big boned. And then kids would laugh. And that was from Carmen. And I was, and you know, it's just like weird. Like everybody would laugh. But uh, as I got older, when I was about 18, 19, I actually went back and I watched every episode. Like I would just go to sleep uh, watching a South Park episode and eventually got through all of them. But yeah, I think those guys, they're, they're like geniuses. They are comedic geniuses. There's something to it that they figured out. That's really funny. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And I, I will say um, with me, it's a, uh, I enjoyed watching it from the first time I saw it, but it was definitely much more of like a, a hidden thing for me. Like my parents did not want me watching it at all, but I had older siblings. And so once it was on, they would just kind of knock on my door, wake me up. We would go downstairs with the giant fat back TVs. Since we're all like from the 90s, we know the fat back TVs. <laughs> the happy ones. And we just kind of, yeah, gathered around, watch an episode or two, and then see what, what came on afterwards on Comedy Central. So it was a huge, huge part of my childhood. And I've continuously followed it all the way into adulthood, all the way up until this point now. So I'm kind of I'm kind of glad to hear like we all had that some sort of shared instance and also unique instances with the show itself. So so one thing um, relating towards the topic of how South Park kind of relates to modern day society. What were the episodes that stood out to you most or, or one particular episode? And like, how do you feel like it has 
kind of influenced you or influence society in modern day? Yeah, and I think I'd like to go just like understanding when did South Park come out and what was our society like when it first came about? Because it's definitely evolved and moved forward to be more social commentary. But South Park first came out in 1997, like the first premiered. And that was when like Bill Clinton was president and that was during the time of the sex scandal. But you got to look like the Daily Show on Comedy Central was barely a year old. And so even looking at current events of like there was no Columbine, 9-11 hasn't happened yet. There was no Patriot Act. Gay marriage was just like being discussed, but it wasn't like, oh, this is for sure going to be a thing for the future. It was like, that's a pipe dream. And also even the TV shows, there wasn't Family Guy or Archer or Rick and Morty and Bojack Horseman. And even looking at presidentials that were very polarizing of Obama and President Trump, like that what happened so far after. Yeah, I kind of like that too, because ultimately it traversed several different presidents, like presidential terms, but was also able to capture all the nuances of each one. Because like, um, I know even with uh, Bill Clinton, they would also bring back his action, his antics, I would say, in the recent episodes where they actually had him do the uh, the Bill and Bill show. Did you see that where it's like Bill Clinton and Bill Cosby up to their <laughs> own, uh, own adventures, quote unquote? <laughs> And so even with um, Hillary, when she was running for president in 2016, yeah, they would still have, they would, br- bring, uh, they would bring Bill on, that's tongue twister, and um, talk about how he wanted to be the first gentleman instead of the first lady. So I-, I love how they always throw that back and kind of say, like, this is where we started off at. And then here we are today with Mr. Garrison being Trump. And then uh, Barack Obama was heisting the, uh, I, forgot, I forgot where they, they had the heist, but he performed the giant bank robbery and everyone was in on it even McCain. <laughs> yeah, Sarah Palin, everyone. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's also interesting. Um, it's transverse and it's evolved, but South Park has been going on for so long. But even like we look at social media consumption, we had to wait at a certain time period and catch it on their TV show to watch this episode and see these reruns. It, there was no Facebook or Instagram or social media platform where we could just see something controversial on our, our phones and be like, I need to watch this clip. It was all word of mouth. And I remember parents are uproar to try to cancel because every week was something notable of the first time seeing like a show that was meant for adult cartoons, but it looked like a regular cartoon for kids where you had main characters of kids going around their daily elementary lives, but the profanity, the cursing, let alone a character dying in a horrific way. And on top of that, um, it was just kids navigating. And I think that's what's been hold true, even though they've gotten more commentary. It's these kids from a small town in Colorado who haven't seen diversity, haven't experienced these, the, the evolving of the community around them. And they're just trying to navigate what is right and wrong in their own eyes. And sometimes you have in their South Park episodes, that aha moment where Stan will be like, I learned a lot from this, or people just suck. But it's just <laughs> these kids navigating these hard issues. Which episodes do you prefer, actually? The ones that leave with the, the message at the end or the ones that where they're just kind of like, they're just like, yeah, this is awful. Because I feel like they have opened those windows a lot more to kind of just say, like, they look back at society and just kind of shrug their shoulders. I think the first one that I remember being, quote, controversial where it was an uproar where everyone was talking about. It was an episode called It Hits the Fan. It was season five and it came out in like 2001. And that's when they were able to uncensor the word shit. 
and they said it, I believe, like 162 times in the one episode because they got the approval of like, can we say this curse word? And I knew they were like, you can't say the F word, but they're like, how about this lesser one? And they got approved and they just overdid it. And at the point on the bottom left, they had a counter that would go on (laughs) for the whole episode each time they said it. That was a great episode. And then you got to think like, um, for me, how that's evolved, and we can all agree on it, is back then just hearing that word on national TV was out like crazy. We wouldn't hear that type of language. But now looking at um, FX and AMC, when we look at like Walking Dead or other like Breaking Bad, we're seeing things where it's like partial nudity or those words that have like, I think, paid pilgrimage where before there was no way we'd hear or see those type of things. And it's, it's, it's crazy how they, it's like they both, the show both is integrated with the moment, but also commentary comments on the moment from the outside while being in it, because obviously these episodes affect so many mindsets too. Um, Oh yeah, no, I, I'm really glad you brought, you brought that specific moment because I remember being like hyped for it too and just rolling on the ground laughing when they were just trying to get as many shits in as they could. <laughs> it was still funny, every shit. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like the significance that change for culture just for basic cable standards. Be like, what is allowed? What isn't allowed? Would Would you say- Like now if we see that in a TV show or a cartoon, we're like, that's that's all they did? Cool. Would you That's think nothing. to like why we're so free with like our our uh, vocabulary now? Because there's a lot of shows like um they're not up there with South Park, but it seems like we are more desensitized like to actual just curse words in general. Like we're just like eh, whatever. So do you think those kind of moments kind of contributed towards that? I think they led the way, or they were definitely one of the. Uh, vanguards in in freedom of speech in in that sense in terms of like entertainment at least mm-hmm. uh, and that they're still uh even though they're not the only ones with you know with with the balls to to make commentary on any side uh they are still today i think it's still one of the leading forms of entertainment that isn't afraid to rip apart any of the sides whether someone thinks it's right or wrong um con- South Park will find the kink in their chains and call them out on it. And then, you know, uh, even despite uh, certain parts of canceling, cult, cancel culture, South Park is still up, you know? And, and I'm, I'm sure if, if they had come out with the stuff they have now in 1997, they would have been, they would have been shut down immediately. But, like what I know now that I'm now that we're bringing up all the like all the South Park from across time, uh, they definitely took their time in and making sure that they, uh, you know, they would up the ante every episode or season and see how like they did with the curse words. Like, can we say this now? All right, we said this. Now let's see if we can say this. <laughs> like I think the first episode, I remember one of the in, uh, interviews with the creator said like the first episode, the mo the the, the ante for that episode was that I think Stan's dog was gay. And back <laughs> in 1997, I was like, oh my God, it's a gay dog. Oh, you know. <laughs> and that started the, the, I guess, the snowball 
of, of what South Park was able to do in, in desensitizing. And, and, you know, I mean, I, I get, I think different crowds of South Park become desensitized to it, but at the same time, it, it also makes us more aware if, if we're really um, wanting to get to know how society and humans are behaving right now. Um, South Park makes it easier to point at those things about ourselves and talk about. I, I agree with Phil. I think um, just we can go in more specific examples of episodes, but one for me is when we look at the episodes, it's just, they make fun of everyone. So it's not like we can say there are a liberal winged like cartoon yeah. that only make fun of Democrats. Like, They've like the first few episodes had Jesus on it. And then we had the Muhammad episode and then even cancel culture of things of that nature. So there was no one safe that, but deep down they would use the absurd and the controversy. But a lot of times it was just to prove the point that some are we too quick to just, and to go to um, even like that cancel culture to, to judge and shut down. Or is there a point of people are just terrible and we just, need to stop believing in things or just we need to find the facts and so every time i watch some of these newer episodes they might talk about things i disagree with but it points a bigger picture of some of these arguments is just like there shouldn't be this politicized or how are we arguing about these things yeah i think part of what made the show go for so long is that they've often taken a nihilist position. Like they don't have a clear cut, we're on this side and you should believe this. It's really like making fun of both sides. Like, uh, yeah, 2016 with um, Trump and, and Hillary Clinton, they were like, we have a giant douche or a turd sandwich. And I think that was just how a huge segment of the population felt. Like we have to choose between these two. But yeah, they attack from both sides and, and don't really leave anything firm at the end. Oh yeah, like they really do. They always come from a neutral stance, but they're very offensive on both sides, and I love it. Like they're not afraid to attack anyone. Because yeah. like, um, because I do want to talk about how it relates to cancel culture at the end too. Because me and Elliot had this conversation in, in regards to their uh, their new platform, Integrity. So you gotta have some integrity, <laughs> from, uh, Randy Marsh. <laughs> <laughs> and also um the commentary on like the pc babies and pc mm -hmm. principal and strong woman so those are more modern characters that i do feel like they do play a specific role and they definitely pair you do take south. shots at i think south Park, yeah. especially in oh, the beginning was they would bring maybe like a celebrity or something like that and they would be self-contained in their own world and as it evolved it like slowly became to that to the point where every episode is a social commentary in some way of they have the integrity farms of they had the giant COVID strapaganza was one episode. They had when Trump was talking about building a wall, they had a Joker episode where it, like, it was like a Mexican Joker, how they were like, there were the evil ones to come through and it like became a self-fulfilling prophecy from them. And one of the ones I loved that I thought was hilarious was when they were playing like this cops and robbers and Butters got like ostracized and had to go to like Mexico and become like a coyote. And it was like a day without a Mexican kind of thing, but it was with Butters. And he had to learn this. He didn't realize the culture that he was immersed in, but he like had to go there and try to get back in. And like, it was like extreme cops and robbers where like they 
would team up with the immigration officers to not let butters back. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, I was reading up on that one last night, actually. I was like doing my research and it's called uh, The Last Mexicans, mm. like instead of Mohegans. <laughs> the Last <laughs> Mexicans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Phil, what about a special episode to you? Uh, one that just like speaks to my my geek, the geek in me is the is the World of Warcraft one, of course. Uh, that one is always a treasure. Um, but now that we're talking about it more, it 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 was rather than episode, it was the movie that spoke to me the most. Um, like I said, I they had just I don't know if we discussed this off recording, but. Uh, my dad and I would watch it together a lot because uh, he loved the commentary. He loved he loved the the way Canadians were represented uh, in the movie and of course in the show. But uh, you know, shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. That song is a classic. Even him and I would sing it. But like you know, but of course, like the deeper meanings in it. Of course, um, like how you know, uh, in terms of tr- like parents. Uh, parent groups trying to control curse words to the point where they had Cartman chipped and anytime he cursed he got zapped but then yeah, it all comes for a full circle when his chip gets malfunctioned and his ability to curse turns the chip into electrical energy in order to fight Satan wow what the heck <laughs> that, 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 that movie like allowed me uh, felt uh, gave me the freedom to just curse uh, if, if my emotions wanted to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're good here, bro. All right, man. Thank you. And I had a question Sorry. for y'all. Yeah. Huh? And see your thoughts. Because um, we talk about, like, nearing towards council culture. South Park has always been the envelope of pushing and being a controversial thing where I think it gets to the point where we just, we know it exists and we let them say anything or do anything. But do you think South Park, is there anything untouched that they're unable to talk about, make a joke about that would scream cancel culture to stop them? Because throughout the beginning, ever since they've started, parents have petitioned for them. And then one thing I can look at is like a few episodes, like the controversy of they were going to reveal how Muhammad would look like. And that was like a whole nation of people were furious on that. Um, and that was going into like a religious sense. And then also what I could think of is um, the Wheel of Fortune episode where it was people that <laughs> annoy you. And they had this subgroup of people of the dad went completely off and picked a wrong word yeah, and was just really. labeled a racist for the rest of his life. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know exactly the episode you're talking about because the right word was naggers. <laughs> People who annoy you. See, but it was so funny because they had uh, like Michael Richards from Seinfeld at that time. Like there were a couple of high profile cases of people who had sent the N word and were canceled. And yeah. uh, that was, you know, relevant commentary at the time. And it's like, how intolerant of the intolerant are we? It's, <laughs> it's such an interesting they, question. They even made a joke about that on one of the episodes where, because um, they took like the very country redneck 
And they were saying, like, we don't take kindly to people to, that don't take kindly to people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and it was so hilarious to see that from the other side. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think... I love that so far, I think it's a, afraid to say, like, to call out the groups that are, you know, the groups who are claiming that they're in the right, that even if, you know, it is a worthy cause, you're, you're still fighting for the cause in really shitty ways, you know? And... Uh, I, I think, you know, like if, if there was a role for for the South Park media franchise in itself for humanity, that it's the jester, you know, it, it is it is the, the clown on the stage that is uh, wants to point out uh, all the all the shitty qualities of the king or royalty or the and, and, and the weak and the poor as well, too, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think another episode that that popped up in my head was when uh, he, when Stan's dad uh, was fighting for uh, for Columbus Day, and so he would he he ended up even calling all the people in Columbus, Ohio, like, "Oh, why are you being a shitty person? Why would why would a person willingly choose a place called Columbus when he's violated all these rights?" And then like he gets a DNA test. Just, just to, just to prove that he's uh, part Native American, and, and the only reason why he gets that is because he makes out with a made Native American, just so he can get a DNA swab. And like he's fighting, you know. I mean, I get the cause for it, but like the things he does, so that way society doesn't see him uh, as a hypocrite or as uh, you know, so that they can see him as uh, you know someone who is righteously fighting against columbus day but if i if i remember that episode correctly that's the one where they had the um 21 and me commercials too right yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) see i think it's interesting i don't know if you guys remember the uh the soho karen incident (laughs) i think so yeah okay so it was like um what was it? A lady dropped her phone and like um, a black kid, he had the same exact phone and she tries to like tackle the kid, legit kid, like teenager and claims that he stole her phone. And like, after it turns out that she had just misplaced her phone in the Uber, um, you know, people were trying to label a racist for, um, you know, having person identifying him as like a thief, that it wasn't his phone, so on and so forth. But when she was trying to defend herself, she was just like, I can't be racist. I'm actually like 10% Puerto Rican or something like that. <laughs> and I thought it was so interesting because South Park pretty much called called that exact moment. And because I think it happened in a pretense, like I think that happened prior. But it was interesting to kind of see that because in the 21 and Me episode, I, in the commercial that they had, I do remember the part where um, there was a white guy and he was just like, oh, I had all these issues. I just kept getting in trouble at work while saying the n-word and then it was like two percent african and he was like oh and i can say it all day and i was just like i've met individuals who have that kind of like mentality it's crazy like i was telling elliot last season there's a ufc fighter his name is michael perry mike perry and uh pretty much same situation super white guy has like a small percentage of african in him and now he's just going around using that the n-word just freelessly and i'm just like it's it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, South Park's definitely brought it to light. And the Columbus episode was hilarious because I do remember uh, 
Randy had all the attire with all the photos of pictures and everything, where he was yeah. like, everyone was stoked on Columbus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the 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 native uh, the native who who had made out with with the Randy, like he ends up falling in love with him in the end. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I never felt this way before. <laughs> yeah. Like I've never felt so alive. It's it's kind of sad. <laughs> I just that that's another like like because they didn't have to run it that far, but they do every time. Like go, they go, they take it to the absolute stretch, and like hundred percent. It's honestly really satisfying to watch when they when they can do that really well, and they they have a lot of episodes that do that too, for sure. Yeah. So I I learned about um their writing style, and they've been like perfecting this over the seasons. But they were basically saying that when you have a scene and then it's like a beat or a skit and then it's supposed to go like and then and then and then if you can put an and then in between the scenes, they're like, it's boring. Don't do it. They try to replace every and then with either but or and therefore. And when I when I have that in my mind while I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, this but this but and then oh this and therefore <laughs> it's it's even funnier yeah. yeah like like randy he wants to do a test but he wants it to get it back uh a native american and, and therefore he makes out with a native and therefore the native falls in love with him, the native american it's just like it's so it's so silly that but they figured something out and, and it's been working about just the creating process i watched a documentary of like how they did episodes back then of just the frame by frame shots and how tedious and how long it would take to film an episode and even with technology and now with all the technology i feel like it takes them less than a few days to put everything together so i know they had they call it like the war room where they film an episode within seven days and they can produce it so quickly that they can jump out if something happened last week on the news they can have an episode within that week displaying or talking about that episode which is a crazy way to have, like, to keep up with current culture and make a statement on it. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think also it's like they were able to, you know, absolutely, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, perfect their brand and, like, their actual style of animation. Because when you look at it compared to modern technology, like, their animation hasn't changed too much. Like, it's advanced. Like, it's much clearer. But I think they chose like a very simplistic approach that allows them to kind of further the simplicity that technology has now given them. Because mind you, a lot of the characters, they still hop like when they walk around yeah. and stuff. Like they don't actually use their legs. They just like pop, 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 pop. <laughs> and it's like, like Phil mentioned earlier with the Canadians is like, they still just use the flapping heads. Like the, all they have to do is just be on beat with the syllables. <laughs> but I think since they chose that early on when it was more of a, a requirement for them, I think they actually get to reap the benefits of being like the first movers to really perfect that style and really bring it to like a mainstream. Because when you look at the old South Park, um, when tech wasn't that good, you can see like the little uh, paper cutouts they'll have and they actually have like the little shadows underneath. So now the only difference is the shadows are gone, but the little paper cutouts are now digitized. But the same movements, instead of them manually dragging it, they just said like, oh, let's manually do it with a mouse now. <laughs> But it works. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that animation style at first, but then it, it grows on you, and you see how funny it can be. 
Oh yeah, and, and it's unique though, because that all the other like um, even now with all the adult animes and animations, it's like you see they still have the more fluid approach to them. Like they want to show, they want to make it as humanist, humanistic and realistic as possible. But South Park, they're just like, nah, we don't have to do all that. Let's just keep what we're doing. Have everyone jumping side to side as they walk. <laughs> That's true. Like Elliot, what were what were some of the episodes that stood out to you? Uh, gosh, there, there's really a lot. Like I would say, you know, more than a dozen that stand out, but just something that I thought was funny and relevant. And like, uh, one of the cases where they actually changed. So they had an episode with Al Gore going way back and, um, it was about man bear pig and it was like the imaginary threat. And it was like half man, half bear, half pig. And it was just so silly like 150%. But uh, that episode, there's like no man bear pig, but that was supposed to be a stand in for climate change. And they later, like seasons and seasons later, when they changed their mind about climate change, they brought Al Gore back. And that episode was just hilarious. I just remember that scene, man bear pig, he rips into a restaurant and he's like killing people. And there's a guy, he has his wine and he's like, you know, Sharon, what are we going to do about climate change that nobody else can do? Like, <laughs> and there's still China. And then Man Bear Pig, like, eats them. <laughs> oh, gosh. I just think that was really funny. And the way that they portrayed it, I just, I think it was great. I think that was also one of the few times where they were openly apologetic and admitting to, the, to them being wrong, too. Exactly. Because, like, because even the characters themselves, um, they, yeah, because they went through the motions of apologizing to Al Gore and Al Gore was like, no, come back when you're cereal. And he was like, you're not cereal. <laughs> <laughs> and the entire time it's like, yeah, I, I love how they brought it back. Cause like you said, decades, like years and years have went by, but it still shows like the relevancy of how they're adapting with the show as well. Like as the creators, they're bringing that evolution of them into the show and making it more modern as well. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest modern things I can remember that like that they actually made a statement it went against um, was China with all these Chinese bands when we go to like video games and even entertainment like the NBA where we know the country how much they censor things and as American companies should we either represent our values or should because of money give them a product and help censor to kind of appease them and they had a whole episode with Disneyland slash um, having the Chinese president be Winnie the Pooh and one of the things that they said um, as an apology for Matt Stone and Trey Parker was like the NBA we welcome Chinese censors into our homes and into our hearts we too love money more than freedom and democracy <laughs> which also has liability of you think of a comedy what like thing where they probably had consumption of that and being completely banned of an entire country that has a huge population could be detrimental and we see other companies even the NBA where the decisions that they would make they'd be like we and American got criticized we criticized the NBA for allowing them being censored in the way like how we kind of bent over for them that market yeah. oh yeah the NBA even like you know they, they made a statement and then against what China's practices at first. And then like, once they felt the hurt of getting less money from China, like, oh, just kidding. You know, like, 
we, we <laughs> NBA loves China. You know, it's just and of course, you know, like America, like society notices that stuff. But I'm glad that South Park is there to like on its cartoon megaphone, like shout it out. Uh, so that way, it it, it can't be oblivious to people at, at the very least, you know. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, getting choked out was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because he he used the uh oh the wire. <laughs> he yeah. Snuck up behind him like on Hitman. Yeah. <laughs> And poor Piglet. Piglet was traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, one thing I wanted to... What's up? The South Park games? I've, I've seen uh, highlights from, but I never played one fully through. Uh, I haven't played the, the RPG either. So I can't really make comments, but I've only played... The N64 first person shooter, South Park, where it was very, very crude. But, like, for example, one of their guns was taking a snowball. You could throw a snowball, but it's South Park and it snows. Or you could pee on your snowball and throw it <laughs> at um, And then, of course, they had aliens involved. Uh, what was that piece of? Mr. Hanky? That represented Christmas. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Hanky. Christmas poop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I, re- I had a shirt with him too. That was a great shirt. It's probably one of my favorite <laughs> South Park shirts. Yeah, there's just yeah. so many. There's really so many like me- uh, media outlets they go through. Um, besides games, I know. I know. Like, uh, like a lot of their episodes. There's a, even just within the context of the show itself, there was a lot of moments uh, that, you know, that didn't really have to do with, like, like uh, political correctness or anything, but in the end, kind of, like, fed itself, like, when Chef, that voice actor for Chef, like, left the show because he didn't want to do the episode where they made fun of Scientology, and then, you know, and then that whole implication of, of you know, of how the actors actually felt about the show besides the creators. It has, it's had a very interesting, uh, you know, mind or body of itself throughout humanity. Oh, yeah. And, and like you mentioned earlier, too, there's no, there's never any boundaries with South Park. Because one thing, one thing I want to mention in terms of like how it's relevant to today's society I think the fact that like we've all kind of come to the conclusion like they're, you know, they can't be canceled, right? Like it's been decades strong. They've talked about the most controversial topics and they have yet to be canceled. And I wonder if South Park's existence is still symbolic to kind of saying that we're beyond cancel culture, like as a society as a whole, because like it allows us to kind of reflect kind of see the growth and adjust from there you know like because like how Elliot mentioned the man bear pig is like they evolved they apologized openly and they were like we were wrong and here's how we changed our views on it but then every other topic they would allow us to point fun at ourselves from both sides because they do take that more neutral more nihilistic approach to kind of say you believe this we're going to make fun of it you believe that 
we make fun of that as well. Either way, we're making fun of everybody. And I'm, I'm curious, and I want to know all your thoughts on that too. Is that how society should kind of embrace um, cancel culture is kind of moving beyond it and just, you know, embracing the fact that people make mistakes and we can grow from them? Yeah, it's it's a thin line and I'm sure Elliot can kind of gather my thoughts with them. Um, the way I view it is um, there needs to be some sort of accountability of if you're living a, a racial life or just bigotry. And I think that needs to be condemned in some sort of way. Um, but to the point where, like I said, it's getting to the point where it's tough, where it becomes a he said, she said, and just the phrase of it can completely just wipe people out before getting, is it actually necessarily true? What is the investigation of that look like? And it can be tough, uh, especially when it comes to um, the Me Too movement. It was a gr- it's a great movement, but with it, um, just the allegation alone, people just want to back off so far away from it, where it's like, people losing jobs, people going through that route just because they don't want to be associated. And it kind of makes me think of the PC principle where is over censorship and being PC, overly PC, um, the approach to go with things are, do we need to kind of step back and self-regulate? And yeah, who is that self-regulator? That's a good point. And uh, uh, something they both say, Matt and Matt's, or, you know the two guys. <laughs> They're two very <laughs> privileged. And, uh, Parker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They they say themselves that they're extremely privileged, like rich white guys. So a lot of the things that you know is about PC culture, um, they can say and get away with. But that's also kind of we kind of why I think people want to watch it. It's because like they they can say all that stuff and they do. Um, but it's it's still important commentary. Well, would you say like it's good that they can live in that uh, kind of free space? Uh, they should use their powers for good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, speak truth <laughs> to power with with um, with humor. That's super important. But it's it's kind of like that. I think they also ask the question, too. Right. When does PC culture go too far? Where should those mm-hmm. boundaries be? When do we get too ridiculous? That's fair. And like, yeah, like, I I guess what South Park, you know, uh, what it's, I feel like what it's also trying to say beyond cancel culture is, you know, like when, when any uh, ideal gets taken to its extreme by the people that are trying to carry out that idealism usually becomes the asshole that starts, you know, uh, ruining people's lives around them, you know, whether it's uh, someone who wants to control or, or or call out people for, you know, for their mistakes to the point where they want to ruin their lives rather than try to have them. And, and their form of justice is to ruin their lives rather than seek justice by having like, hey, you know, like, can you see if you change your mind about what you think? If I offer you a good uh, counter argument um, or, you know, an extreme of trying to get Columbus Day canceled by, uh, uh, by pretending, you know, that you, that you have Native American blood when you don't. Or, you know, like, like a- any side can, can go into that, cross that line, and then start tipping the scales towards ca- uh, chaos. 
uh, which I think honestly is a good uh, South Park is a good counterbalance, at least in thoughts towards what is going on in today's world. And I think all the all the shitty fallout towards and the people that are getting hurt are is the emergence of those who have power um, to, uh, going uh, tipping the scale too far in one direction, whether they realize it or not. Um, and not just political sides, but just human behavior too. Especially like when emote, like when you see characters who who really like again, once Randy, his his emotions to not face shame uh, causes him to to lie and, and do be deceitful and to the most extremes. And like I think that's it's exactly what human beings do. Uh, even I would even say to the extent that Randy would ever do it. Although it's it's hilarious in the cartoon, but I could see people doing that just for the sake of uh, saving face or oh. proving their point. I, I think we see it all the time on uh, social media now too. Yeah, like we always want to paint that one light of people, and then um, kind of hide all the you know we want to post all the highlights, and then leave everything all that's negative on the back end where people can't see it but then pose like everything's perfect. That, that's a very good point, actually. Yeah. Well, well, we can't do that anymore because social hmm. media. Well, see, see, that's the thing. It's a, it's a double-edged sword. It depends, I think it depends on who, who contains the information, like who's the, who's the one that retains control of it. Because yeah. I think if um, the individual themselves retain it, then they have that opportunity to present the highlight. But then yeah. if it does get into the hands of others or it does affect others, that's when they can bring the realistic side, the um, the skeletons in the closet out to light and let everyone know the full story. So, because like you were saying, like Randy, or, yeah. or fabricate skeletons in the closet for someone. That you is know? true. But deep fakes, uh, simply just changing the, the, the wording on a doc, digital document and changing the words out, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like if um if I can relate it to South Park, we'd be in the the closet with Tom Cruise, John Travolta, and uh, R. Kelly <laughs> oh, on the Scientology episode. Hilarious. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, since see, I feel like our conversation right now does kind of tie into like what integrity represents. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna double down on that and make that like a side topic. But one thing I want to ask you all is um which South Park character kind of relates to you the most and what's the reasoning why? Uh, who? As I, I choose a character um, okay. that you feel represents you in like the real world and what's the reason behind it? You know, what's kind it's of funny is I felt like uh, Butters. I always kind of related to Butters. <laughs> Just like how nice he is. And then, uh, uh, like, what his imagination is in the background. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know why. It's just, he's, he's really silly, but I feel like I understand his character. Okay. I'll jump in on that, too, because I also pick Butters. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I really, so it was between Butters and uh, Randy for me. Those were the two. Like, I'm, I'm a Butters-Randy hybrid, <laughs> which sounds hilarious. But I will say, because I, I I took notes when I was thinking, I was like, how do I relate to Butters? And do I have specific episodes? 
<laughs> hilarious references and like if i if i read them off the screen right now <laughs> dude it was uh <laughs> so you can tell me if this if this kind of relates to you as well Elliot, or if you can see how butter um embodies these traits right uh the first one i put is an entrepreneurial spirit by when he becomes a pimp <laughs> and how he's willing to use the resources around him oh yeah <laughs> He has a sense of innocence and cluelessness. So, for example, when he was uh, investigating his dad's whereabouts for his mom and his dad was having homosexual acts in the all-male bathhouse, and he uh, reported it as a playful wrestling to his mom, <laughs> playful naked wrestling. And he was like, I don't know. All those fellows are just on dad. I, I don't think he won. <laughs> so he's just so innocent. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. um the last one the last one that i put was um <laughs> having the worst outcomes happen from the best of intentions and the example i pulled was um the you got served base episode you got f in the a where he was like the tap dancing champion he didn't want to uh dance or anything because he accidentally killed all those people but then he wanted south park to win the dance battle so he comes out of retirement and accidentally kills the uh, the opposing dance crew again. <laughs> and I was like, I feel like, feel like at a much smaller scale that has happened to me before, <laughs> without the tap dancing or the killings, of course. <laughs> so, what do you think, Elliot? Do, do any of those kind of relate to you too? No, no, yeah, that stands out. Um, but it's just the innocence and like seeing things in that particular kind way. <laughs> yeah, best of intentions, but but something happens <laughs> and therefore <laughs> it goes wrong <laughs> all right michael phil what about you what i've been thinking about it and it's just been kind of tough um just like navigating around um and i think like the biggest one i, I think i would relate to would be i think it'd be two parts like the first one would be I think it'd be like, yeah, I think it'd be like a Randy Marsh, the the dad, where it's just like, he kind of changes in waves, but with, with that character, he kind of understands his own being of life, but then can get just sidetracked. And with Randy Marsh, he does have personal beliefs of what he's doing is right, but the community around him may see differently. And I think it's just hard navigating of like, this is the path I've learned and what I'm trying to go through. And sometimes I'm wrong, and but deep down, it's just like, it's hard just adulting and kind of navigating and just that transformation. And I think the other one would be Kenny um, in the essence of just <laughs> growing up in a different compared to my peers, but just kind of being along where I've had friends who had a lot more money, especially in college where just like, I felt like a fish out of water. Um, and sometimes, socioeconomic statuses would be challenged by the peers around me and even in a joking way and but deep down like it didn't affect friendships and can still kind of hang out and it was tough when sometimes friends or family would be like yo like here's this thing that you might need and then um, also be like on the butt end of jokes <laughs> in a playful way right or, or a hurtful way it goes either way 
Okay, that's fair. I, I, I like that explanation of Kenny too, because like um knowing you, I thought it was gonna be like a much more jokey approach, but I think you did add like some extra like depth to like Kenny. As yeah, a and with that, like I've always like had issues with like speech, and like I know I murmur and have like a low voice, so I know like sometimes like just converse having a conversation sometimes be like I don't know what you said like try again yeah yeah I like that see if if I had to interpret the combination of two of like Kenny and Randy I would say that would make you Mysterion who's Kenny's (laughs) superhero alter ego who has the the ability to never uh never truly die and the reason why I say that is because if you look at Randy's constant evolution and changing as you mentioned and then Kenny's ability to always regenerate and recreate himself Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a good explanation of evolution and and metamorphosis and how we grow from the day by day like if you look at it as um if we look at every day as its own unique day and then the day prior is our old selves dying and our new forms our new selves being reborn I think that's kind of ends up being the summation of Kenny and Randy. Or, or maybe I'm looking too deep into it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about you, Phil? Uh, I, I see parts of characters that are relatable, not the entire character itself, because I even think Stan and Kyle, who are, the mo- to me, the most normal, uh, have, have their deep ends right but um uh randy is also someone who parts of him uh, i see reflected in me especially um when he really gets into something he dives in deep like it's almost like every week he has a new project that he wants to get into and then it finally culminates into him actually following through with integrity farms which is a uh, really good to see you know as much of the antics he gets in with with that industry um i i think people can agree that that watch the show like oh it's good to see randy is like sticking to this one thing for a whole season beyond you know um so i like that uh, i like seeing that in randy uh, i love i love kyle uh kyle and the way he sticks up uh, stand too but uh I love how Kyle, in, this, in the crazy world he lives in, he finds a way to stick up for what's right all the time, or as, as best as he can. Um, even if maybe like there are sometimes there he'll you know he's willing to kill. Uh, especially, uh, I, feel, I always feel like Kyle's main arch nemesis is Cartman in in most episodes, and I love seeing that. And then they're still friends, and even Cartman, like part of part of his persona. Um, uh, like his his actions kind of represent what some of my thoughts uh re- how my thoughts react to the world. I just don't act upon them. I don't take people and put them in stew and feed them to other people like he did once. <laughs> um, yeah, those are my characters there. I like that. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely glad you're not making making people into stew. The Scott Tinnerman uh, stew. What do you do? Like tears? There's tears in my chili or something. He's like, the tears are so delicious. And all the 
Oh, dude, that was a classic episode, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, well, well, guys, I think, um, yeah, I think that's all that I had on my end. Um, was there any other topics y'all wanted to discuss? South Park? Um, no, and not, nothing top of my head. South Park, uh, it's, it, it, I'm glad we're, we're reflecting on it because in a way it's been it's been a, a, a part of this world at least a part mm-hmm. of my world, as much as uh like an iconic building like the stratosphere for las vegas has been it's always looming people know about it i'm not always looking at it but when i do i'm like damn it's a nice tower <laughs> that is fair yeah. well, when, you, when you put it like that it's the one thing that continuously followed me into adulthood like the next the next biggest thing i would say maybe for others not for me personally would be pokemon but like outside of those two series it's like and drag muzzy sorry i almost forgot about drag muzzy oh horrible but it's like south park's the one that was continuous no breaks in between just non-stop go action for me so i think um train matt's product and like the the growth that they've had even recently, like they signed a nine hundred million dollar contract, and um, I think it shows the significance and love that we all have for South Park. And and one little side note, I found this out uh, last night too. They might make Tegrity an actual like weed and dispensary, possibly. If they don't, so there might be an actual Tegrity Farms. <laughs> I also read that they uh, are trying to buy the Casa Bonita. <laughs> Dude, that is, if they do that, I think that would be perfect. Like, that would be perfect to bring everything full circle. Bring what is, like, satire to, like, a physical real-life environment and still be a parody of something. Yeah. You all saw when they had um, the entire town, like, the entire, all the characters attend a Denver, uh, actual Denver Broncos game? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I love that aspect. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. Elliot, was there anything else on your end? No, I think that was everything. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, guess we're done here. I guess I'll, even though they might not see it, I'm going to give a shout out to Trey and uh, Matt. Let them know that uh, thanks to their product, their genius, that's what led to this conversation today, as well as, uh, you know, many other conversations held around South Park and yeah, the influence that South Park has had on us has lasted decades. Now it's going into like new generations. So yeah, keep at it. And we're looking forward to seeing what else y'all produce. So let's go back down to South Park, have ourselves a time. <laughs> All right, y'all, I guess we're done for the day. So peace. Yeah, thank you, too. You did a great job, and I can't wait to uh, see more, listen to more of your episodes, your your podcasts, and hope to be part of the conversation again. Oh, yeah. Dude, absolutely. I'm looking forward to this, too. (laughs) All right. To our viewers and our listeners, what are your thoughts on South Park and modern-day society? Make sure to leave your comments below, subscribe to our channel for more content, and be sure to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And as always, much love and peace. Just got off the clock, just got on my chill.
Called up my homie Brent to see what be the deal. What you trying to do? I'm just trying to heal. Hella floated, never bloated's what I'm trying to feel. Hop in the whip and.